Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. We're going to address this NBA China situation that's been going on. If you've been stuck under a rock, it's an international incident based off a tweet last Friday night, but we'll talk about it. I'll give you my little rant on it, but then a special guest, Len Elmore, college basketball announcer, former star player in college basketball, in the NBA, in the ABA, and of course a professor, senior lecturer at Columbia University Sports Management. Great insights on this NBA China snafu, if you will. We'll talk about it. As you know, this podcast is presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of the Podcast One Sportsnet. Use the promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. That's betonline.ag. When we talk about the NBA, we naturally think, before, I guess, a week ago, we think of a league that's the what the cool kids say is woke, where they're socially conscious, they're socially aware, they make choices that are popular with the players, that are popular with the media, that are popular with fans in general. Look at the track record of the NBA in socially conscious situations. They have, let's count them, kicked Donald Stern out of the league basically for racist comments made surreptitiously recorded by his mistress. They have withheld an all-star game from North Carolina based on a bathroom bill discriminatory to LGBTQ rights. They have the commissioner, speaking of a gay rights, gay pride float parade. He wrote in a float with Jason Collins. They have continuously allowed with impunity players such as LeBron James and others and coaches such as Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich to be talking about the president in uh, unflattering terms, leadership in this country in that way and jumping in on immigration issues, on human rights issues, on inequality of racial issues. Again, I'm saying that's a good thing. Uh, So they've allowed all that. But now a general manager, one of the most respected general managers does this, sends out a tweet in support of free rights for uh, Chinese citizens in Hong Kong, the demonstrators, and oh boy, we have an international incident. So I guess I'm going to talk all about this with Len Elmore in a minute, but my point is, back to the league I cover, (laughs) it's the NFL. There is no pretense here with the NFL. They do not hold themselves out to be a socially progressive league. Their owners are conservative. They have owners that get together and talk with Donald Trump. They have owners that uh, get on the plane with Donald Trump or vice versa. They're owners that are Republican. They understand who they are and they are been criticized for. Now, again, they did uh, fund some social justice initiatives along with the players coalition. Although that was clapped back at by certain players like Eric Reed and others that called this kind of a, an uncle Tom situation. And again, This is something the NFL, when they locked arms with players after the president made those remarks a couple years ago about Kaepernick and throw them out, the sons of bitches, whatever it was, owners stood fast with the players. But I said at the time, that can't last. That'll last a week or two, and that's all it did. And then it was back to business, back to football, keep politics out of sports, and we've seen what what has happened with Colin Kaepernick. Despite a settlement of a collusion suit, there's no way he's coming back. And I think we all know why. So 
this is where we are with the NFL, but they have to be sitting a little bit smug, smiling quietly, certainly wouldn't publicize it at the NBA because that's the woke league. That's the socially conscious league. And look what happened here. So as I'll talk about now with Len Elmore, the NBA finds itself between a rock and a hard place trying to do the tightrope between supporting free expression of its one of its first most respected general managers and on the other side, the business aspect with how much business they can gain financially doing business with China. So that's where we are for a thoughtful, insightful, and a conversation that I enjoyed having with someone very bright and eloquent and articulate about these issues. The one and only college basketball star, NBA player, lawyer, and of course, um, senior lecturer at Columbia University. Here is my conversation with Len Elmore. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand, special guest this week, uh, Len Elmore, longtime NBA star. I know him from way back. I'm aging both of us, but I was uh, a big time University of Maryland basketball fan growing up on the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and followed that team with uh, names that are going to bring a lot of memories to Len Elmore, my guest, and Tom McMillan and John Lucas, Mo Howard. That was the team I grew up with. So, it's great to have Len Elmore, a former NBA player and a lawyer like me. So there will be lawyers on this podcast and a senior lecturer at Columbia University Sports Management. I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about the issue of the week, which is the NBA China Daryl Morey controversy. But Len, wanted to have you on for a long time. Thanks for being with me on the podcast. Sure. It's my pleasure, Andrew. And I saw your comments, and I guess let's start with a sort of a for people who don't know the background, and you can you can chime in and elaborate on the background more than my basics. But on the eve of some games over in the Far East, in Japan and China, one of the most respected general managers in basketball, Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets, tweeted out, I believe on Friday, last Friday, something about. Uh, freedom and uh, support, whatever the words were, support for the protesters in Hong Kong about human rights and equality. It was met with clapback by the NBA, which I remember the word they use, regrettable, uh, in referring to his comments. And we are now almost a week into this, and there's been some retreat from the NBA uh, in supporting Daryl Morey. But my reaction, and I want to get yours, if, but just sort of a blank canvas reaction from you, but wow, this is the league that has been so progressive on so many issues, and here they are stifling some speech from Daryl Morey. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I mean, they're walking a very narrow, taut tightrope, um, recognizing their business interests, and also having to stand up to what they've built themselves as a value-based organization, which essentially allows freedom of expression. And, and therein lies the problem. I mean, Daryl right. Morey tweeted, um, uh, fight for freedom, support Hong Kong. And, you know, essentially people thought it was, could be a, a somewhat innocuous, uh, just support of the uh, protesters in Hong Kong. But uh, more than anything else, it was, you know, per- perceived as a, a a slam by the Chinese. And, you know, they're a technology-based 
uh, culture right now that, you know, social media plays a, a huge role in their lives. And to do this on social media, I, I think even further kind of rub their noses in it. But but this mm-hmm. whole situation to me is, is uh, just your plain conflict of democracy versus authoritarianism. Um, you know, the idea of, of allowing people to express themselves um, and not necessarily connected to the business entity is part of, of that, that democratic ideal that the NBA, uh, you know, just says they stand for. But by the same token, China is u- utilizing their, their enormous market clout to try to make this corporation bend as they have a number of other corporations uh, recognizing that, you know, they have the power to do it and, and make them essentially, um, you know, kowtow to the message that uh, the, the authoritarian government in China wants them to state or at least stay quiet about. And, and this is where the NBA runs into trouble because, you know, they've spoken out on any number of civil rights and human rights issues, not only the league, right. but also the players. And now in something that's more global, but nevertheless, a human rights issue, if you know the background, why the Hong Kong protests began and what they were about. Now, suddenly, you know, the, the NBA is, you know, it's mum, if nothing else. And so that, that's where they have the problems. And what it's going to do have a chilling effect down the road, I think, on speaking out and also is going to paint the league kind of hypocritical and and any of the players i mean we haven't heard much from players who have normally spoken out on civil rights and human rights issues uh simply because i'm sure the the nba has imposed a gag order despite not publicizing it so this is this is a huge huge fight um for you know the um, image of the nba more than anything else as an observer that very tied in with basketball and the NBA, where do you think the NBA should land on this? You've correctly identified very eloquently the, the tightrope they have to walk between business interests of the huge market potential in China and their already established pattern of support for social causes and, right, and civil rights. So putting you in that situation, where, where should they land here? Well, quite honestly, I believe that the NBA is an American organization, uh, an organization that should be practicing uh, social responsibility. And, you know, right now, I think that they probably recognize it in this second iteration of statement. Um, I think they were bending more towards the, the, the arc of justice with regard to Daryl Morey and anybody else who's allowed to express themselves uh, individually. But I think they need, to, they need to stick to their guns and say they are a value-based organization. We're going to allow our people to speak. We may not necessarily stand behind it, but I, you know, I think they probably should stand behind it and, and say that you know, we um, are a, a group that stands for, for human rights, and we can disagree, China, but nevertheless, and we can do business while we're disagreeing, but nevertheless, we're going we're gonna to hold fast and true to our principles because there is no other alternative. To do anything else makes them look hypocritical, and, and as I mentioned earlier, anything going forward uh, that the NBA wants to, you know, place their imprimatur on and and stand up for, you know, will be looked upon 
as hypocrisy. And the reason I say that is because when you look at China's actions, yes, they've canceled meetings, they've canceled fan, uh, uh, fan types of festivals, they've canceled uh, and not put their, they've suspended the tele- televising of exhibition games, etc. But it's all, quote, suspension, which tells me that it's not a permanent uh, situation, that that's a shot across the bow of the NBA to try to let them know that we mean business. But in the end, China needs the NBA as much as the NBA needs China. China pays $4 billion or more uh, in, in one way or another to the NBA through NBA China, which means that they themselves are probably getting multiples on that $4 billion. So, yeah. you know, it's a symbiotic relationship that uh, will continue to go on after this flap is, has been forgotten. Can you give us a sense of the Chinese market for NBA? Well, from what I've read, um, 500 million viewers. Uh, there were more viewers in the NBA Finals in China than there were in the United States. Obviously, there were more people in China, but nevertheless, it just tells you the uh, the interest. Uh, 300 million uh, participants, China and, and the NBA together, invested a ton of money in building basketball courts throughout the, the mainland country. And, um, you know, with the deals that they have with uh, China's national television, CCTV, and, and their digital partner, Tencent, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about, again, billions of dollars of investment, billions of dollars of uh, revenue coming from, you know, NBA uh, televised uh, games and, and related NBA products, merchandise, et cetera. So, you know, that is a huge, huge yeah. uh, partnership, lucrative partnership. It is indeed. And, and again, to give us some sense of this, I think you rightly said that the NBA has walked back their regrettable comments about Maury's tweet and suffering some consequences. But you made the point these are temporary consequences, uh, not going to affect the long-term relationship. Beyond the league, a comment, if you will, about the Brooklyn Nets owner, Joseph Tsai, if I'm saying that right. Um, you know, he bought the Nets with the intention of tapping into this Chinese market. So this is kind of a double. And, and I thought his comment was uh, probably hard to decipher from, from my point of view in terms of what he was trying to say. But where do you put his involvement here and what's the impact there? Well, I think his involvement, first of all, the ability to buy an NBA team, I think, uh, you know, there wasn't enough long-sighted view as to what would happen if uh, a Chinese owner were to enter the NBA, particularly uh, someone who has a business or is co-founder of a business that's so intertwined with the Chinese government. Alibaba uh, is a obviously global, uh, uh, global monster. And particularly in China, where Alibaba does a lot of things for the government, including their facial recognition programs, which are probably state of the art beyond anybody in the world. Um, So, you know, Joseph Tsai has to speak up for the government. And, you know, his argument that, um, you know, that the Chinese fans stand united when it comes to the territorial integrity of China and the country's sovereignty over their homeland, um, 
you know, that's what's been attacked in his mind. He has to stand up, and I'm sure he's been told if if he hasn't done it on his own, he's been told that he has to stand up and take that position. And as a governor on the NBA Board of Governors, he's going to continue to take that position in favor of Chinese government whenever there's any kind of controversy involving them. Um, again, when you take a look at Hong Kong and the protesters, you talk about the extradition bill and the fear that um, that was going to be used ultimately by the uh, Chinese government to detain and, and convict um, dissidents even in Hong Kong and the erosion of, of democratic uh, reforms that were promised on paper uh, mm -hmm. when the British handed Hong Kong over uh, to the Chinese government. Uh, and those things haven't been fulfilled as of yet. You can see the fear in, in those who live in Hong Kong, particularly millennials. Imagine you know that in 2047, you've got to turn this country over to China, and you've experienced some democratic reform, some principles, some understanding of democracy, yet in 27 years, it's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to hold on to the, the bit of democracy that you possibly can. That's why you see the reaction that we see. And in this reaction, you mentioned the words gag order. I'd like you to expound on that a little bit, because as I've noted, you know, listen, you've got Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, LeBron James, so, so outspoken on inequities and on Kaepernick and on clapping back against leadership in this country. And quiet here. Crickets. You think that's yeah. coming from on high? I suspect that the message has been sent. It, it might be cryptic, uh, but nevertheless, I think those guys heard it. I think in some instances, there's also uh, been quiet prior to this. Daryl Moore is the first one to state it. I'm surprised that no one has really stood up for, you know, the concept of human rights in Hong Kong earlier than that, since, you know, obviously mm -hmm. the NBA is a global uh, organization and, and these guys are fully aware. So I think that they're, they weren't really educated as to what the issues were over in Hong Kong to begin with. I know James Harden wasn't. Or if he was, you right. know, he was speaking the party line when he came out and apologized immediately for Daryl Morey's uh, comments, saying that they love China, that we apologize, that the people have already, always been good to them. Um, but, yeah, I, I really believe that the, that the message has been sent. And as I said, it may be cryptic. It may be uh, camouflage. But nevertheless, um, you know, folks have been told, you know, don't, don't be another example like Maury. You think Maury's job is safe? He's one of the most respected GMs in the league. Yeah, I, I think it has, especially since he, he pulled back his comment. He apologized mm -hmm. as well, saying that he didn't know both sides, although there, there aren't both sides to hear. China is a repressive government. We all know that. Um, even in the headlines today, um, 1.6 million um, Chinese Muslims have been detained somewhere in a camp to be reprogrammed. I mean, that yeah. is the, the antithesis of democracy. And, and to, you know, not be able to look at that and, and to criticize it, uh, at least from the United States, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of against all of our principles as well. And, you know, so Daryl Morey is the first one to speak out. Uh, I think obviously people have seen what's happened to him. So the chilling effect will take place, no question. 
Yeah, in our final moments, I'm with Len Elmore, as people know, that voice, and a very most respected lawyer, former NBA player, now with Columbia University Sports Management, senior lecturer. I guess I want to sort of, sort of close this talking about this NBA, as the cool kids say, wokeness, right? So <laughs> I do, you know, I do most of my commentary about the league I was involved with, the NFL, and they make at least as far as I can tell, really no bones about being kind of conservative league. And that has been proven, of course, with no one signing Kaepernick and stick to sports and the message being, you know, they're kind of conservative. Uh, Owners on Donald Trump's plane, I mean, uh, Donald Trump on their planes, whatever it is. The NBA has been the woke league. And you mentioned some of the things. Adam Silver pushing sports betting legalization. Adam Silver on a on a float in the gay pride parade with Jason Collins. The Steve Kerr comments, the Greg Popovich comments, the players, the way they treated Donald Sterling. So where are we? Are we are we do we still believe it's a woke league? Or is this proving Adam Silver's like every other commissioner. The NBA's like every other league. It's business first. Your thoughts? I I would pretty much tend to agree with your last comment that unfortunately, um, you know, despite the image of being that woke league, uh, money talks and everything else is secondary. And that's Mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. And it it is unfortunate, especially when you – um, purport to uh, establish yourself as, you know, a global uh, ideal as a corporation to be able to speak out where there's injustice, to be able to emphasize freedom of expression, freedom of speech uh, among, you know, your players, your employees, and your owners. But yet, uh, the moment you're faced with the consequence of losing business, and let's say it is significant business, um, suddenly you know, you, you cave and that's what we've seen. And what is the impact I think it's going to have? It's going to delegitimize any other future uh, outspokenness on any number of, of human rights issues because people are going to say, well, you know, this one isn't, you know, affecting your bottom line so you can speak out. But, you know, where are your guts when it comes down to something that's placing principle above profit? Do you think so? I mean, again, if there's a, God forbid, another shooting of an unarmed minority person or what, whatever it is, and there's statements made by players or coaches, do you think that's going to be watered down now because of this? I, I think there are people who on, you know, whether you talk about conservatives, whether on the right, and even mm-hmm. people maybe on, on the left who are going to say that, you know, when the NBA speaks, you know, it doesn't always have the same tenor. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't have the same um, resonance that it would have prior to this. You know, this one's easy. You know, this one doesn't involve your profit, um, and you know, this one involves something that, of course, it's a human rights issue. It's a civil rights issue, but you know, you're not really forced to face and sacrifice. So in, in reality, you're not really, you know, activist in a manner that, um, you know, engenders respect. And, and, you know, I teach a course 
athlete activism and social justice, and we study activism throughout um, you know the sports history of America with a backdrop of social and political and economics in America and see the reasons why some athletes have become outspoken activists. And one of the um, common elements of that activism is the idea of sacrifice, the idea of putting, you know, and look at Ali, Ali sacrificed his his, um, boxing career for five years. Look at Colin Kaepernick, what he sacrificed in speaking out. When the NBA speaks out against, you know, things that happen domestically, they're not really sacrificing anything. Now, faced with a potential sacrifice of business with China to stand on principle, they caved in. So from that standpoint, yeah, I think there would be skepticism uh, if the NBA spoke out about something going forward. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that skepticism would exist. And to finish the thought about the, the, the face of the NBA, Adam Silver do we put him in the box now with all the others, with Roger Goodell, with Gary Bettman, with Rob Manfred? Or do we give him the credit for what has happened before all this in terms of his progressive attitudes? I still think that the progressivism of the NBA is articulated by Adam with free speech, free expression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, notwithstanding this particular incident, I still think it puts him ahead of, of those other leaders. However, you know, even being ahead, you can, you know, unfortunately gain some tarnish. And unfortunately, you know, and I admire Adam greatly. I consider him a friend. But, um, you know, his leadership has been somewhat tarnished by this. Now, the question is, they find a way to recover. I mean, they tried to in their, in their second statement um, that, that didn't throw Maury you know, under the bus as much as the first statement. But nevertheless, you know, it's problematic. And, you know, only the future will be able to tell. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I I saw an article from The Ringer this morning that Adam Silver is finally being judged as a commissioner, not as our pal. You know, so I think that's what's going on here. Any final thoughts on this NBA Maury China controversy, which as we speak now, there is uh, you know, late, latent, uh, delayed, I guess, uh, support from the NBA for Maury and speaking out and social causes and all that. But the damage has been done on both sides, it seems, with some temporary fallout in China and some feeling from us about the social cause active NBA, maybe not all that. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think as Americans, we need to stand behind uh, the principles uh, that, that have been espoused by the NBA, which we, with regard to democracy and, and democratic values. I think we ought to support the NBA as long as they continue to follow uh, and, and become and continue to be that value-based organization and not cave in to, um, you know, China's flexing of their, their market muscles, which they've done. And, mm-hmm. you know, it may cost the NBA a little bit of money. But once again, when you look at the bigger picture, you know, you place principle over profits. And when you do that, normally you wind up winning. Um, you know, when it doesn't seem to be a road in which you can take, you just got to take the one that's all about what's right 
And in the long run, I think you prevail. So I'm hopeful that the NBA sticks to its guns. They made their statement. They let China flex its muscles, but they remain um, democratically based. And in the long run, that's what that's what ultimately will win out in this world, I believe. Really thoughtful insights from you on this controversy, and I couldn't think of anyone better to comment on it on the podcast. Len Elmore, thanks so much for being with me. I look forward to more of these. This is just the first. Uh, it's a pleasure, and thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Len. Really hope you enjoy that conversation with Len and I with getting into this thorny issue of the NBA China human rights and where we go from here. Len will be on the podcast, as I mentioned, much more to come now that we're in touch again, and I look forward to having him. I think he's going to be a good voice for you to hear on the Business of Sports podcast. Finally, a word from our sponsor. We're in it now. we got NFL, we got college football, we got Major League Baseball playoffs in the heat as we approach the, the league championship series. Look what is ahead at the NFL this weekend. you got Eagles-Vikings, you got 49ers-Rams, you got Houston Kansas City, Seahawks, Browns, you got college football with LSU and Florida and USC and Notre Dame and Oklahoma and Texas. Oh my, oh my word, there's so much going on. And of course, as I mentioned, the MLB playoffs. So visit our good friends and our exclusive partner at Podcast One, betonline.ag. Take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account today. Make sure you use that promo code Podcast One for your 50% sign up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And that'll do it for another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Special thanks to producer extraordinaire Brian Neal, music underscored by Sam Brandt, an artist you will get to know. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, and of course, Apple Podcast rankings and comments are truly appreciated. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.